Multiverse of Madness coming off reviewing a comic starring Satan by celebrating Easter in a very Jesus-like method by befriending prostitutes. I am your host, Mike. And bringing his usual form of comedic gospel all the way from Wales, we have the spring chicken of our podcasting barnyard. Zach, how are you, buddy? Much like Jesus, I woke up in a cave today. How are you? <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Much hey, like Jesus, I, I don't know who my dad is. How are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, allegedly. Yeah. Well, you see, you know, it's definitely not Joseph. We know hey, that look, much. Look, look, but, Mike, all I'm going to say is, regardless of who his dad is, at least Jesus was born in a stable environment. There, I'm done. Oof, I'm done. That's, I, I'll get back on track with the podcast. Hi, Mob Squad. Hi, Mike. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I wish I had a co-host that could turn water into wine, but sadly, I just have one that knows how to insult religion. Hey, I bet I do that pretty good myself. Most of the time. Either way, how you been, Zach? Good. I've been, uh, well, we've had a four-day weekend, which has been very nice. uh, And I've spent it doing the uh, grand total of fuck and all, which has been lovely. It's been nice and relaxing. I hear, though, however, on your side of the pond, things ain't been so good. I hear you're uh, feeling a bit under the weather. Yeah, I'm a little bit sick. I had to Almost punt this podcast today. We were going to do a two-banger. We were going to pump out two episodes, but I think I'm just going to stick with one today because my voice is fragile, much like my manhood. But we did pick a book to review from June 2002. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, number 42. Oh, (laughs) it's been a while since we've done a book that's uh, left me as confounded as this has. So I'm looking forward to uh, pouring over it with you. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll say this about this book. is On the surface, it's quite interesting. I-, I saw what the book was about. The cover has Spider-Man in a mosh pit, crowd surfing to what appears to be hot women and rap singers. I don't know, but this looks like an interesting book, and it does start out interesting. Page one, we get a lady with a huge gadonkadonk on some guy's shoulders. We get a whole bunch of of angry young white suburbanites jamming out to the musical stylings of none other than Sausage Finger. With great lyrics. We have, oh, they're playing their classic. You all know the one. My mummy didn't love me. My daddy left at 10. Don't try and understand me. You don't know where I've been. Confounded, Mike. <laughs> this is what I mean. This book, in already, you open it, it starts with this as a Spider-Man comic, and visually, it looks like something drawn by Evan Dorkin. It's got this really, like, indie comic feel, and I was like, I feel like I kind of want to love it, but it's so on the nose taking the piss out of <laughs> early 2000s culture that it becomes grating very fucking quickly. <laughs> Yeah, you, you're kind of taking away already from my multiverse of sadness in that, yes, this is all too much. I mean, it's it really is. We won't review the book out the shoot, but I will say 100% yes, just a little too on point. But there is still some clever things in here, at least funny things, because after Sausage Finger playing their number three ranked song on what we can only call the MTV Countdown, we're introduced to... Tiffany Gibson and Johnny Waterlog from InStep. Not to be confused with Boys Are Us from X-Force 116 fame, but sadly Tiffany loses out to InStep for the number one song. And then we pretty much are transported to a beach where Tiffany is giving him the business. By business, I mean business and the business. 
<laughs> you, you did skip over one detail, which I, I absolutely loved, is just the security guard, when they're being brought on the stage, and <laughs> it took me a while for, for it to click that this is Britney and Justin and an analogue of... But just the security guard has a thought bubble going off to one side saying, I went to college. <laughs> but yeah. yes, back to the beach. Uh, it, you know, they're having an argument about who is the better pop star. Justin being Justin, because I can't remember the character's name in the book. He just wants it. He, he wants to be the one to hit that baby for the first time. <laughs> as Apparently. It were. Uh, and he's like, look, let's go. It. Let's take it to the next level. But you know what happens, Mike? He doesn't get sucked off. He gets sucked under the sand, that is. Oh, shit. Yeah, this was unexpected. I will say that I didn't know where this was going, but I will give this book credit. Out the shoot, three pages in, I have no idea what's going to happen, but we get uh, some some idea of where this plot's going right away. I'm sorry to insult your intelligence and (laughs) pull the rug out from the story, but... Did the inclusion of sand uh, as a threat in a Spider-Man comic not tip you off as to who we may be dealing with? I would say this. The sand doesn't start as a threat. The sand is simply in the scene and quickly becomes a threat. It could be quicksand. He does kind of like sink into it. It's not like something comes out and grabs him. So I'll give you that. Now, I will also give it that you are not feeling your best. But you know who else isn't feeling great? Well, I would say this, before we talk about who isn't, I have to ask you this, Zach. I'm assuming you're talking about Spider-Man here, but I'm not sure by the number of Kleenexes around his couch, if he's not feeling great or if he's just had a really interesting night watching X-Hamster. Yeah, you know, every every superhero has to give themselves like one wanky Sunday a month. <laughs> Well, it's been a hell of a Sunday for him. Oh, man, because, God, yes. yeah. Let's count him out. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm surprised he's got anything <laughs> left in his web fluid tanks. Anyway, moving on, we get Spider-Man channel surfing through the TV. He feels like shit. He ain't going out being a superhero today. And the three uh, little snippets of the TV you get were, again, really funny. This book leaves yeah. me confounded because... Snippets like this, and it does read so much like something you would have seen on like slave labor graphics back in the day. <laughs> uh, for example, there's a televangelist saying, Now, Joan, I'm seeing a large woman coming through here. Is everyone in your family fat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second one is my favorite with the old man explaining to his teenage son that he's not hurting mommy, he's just really giving it to her. <laughs> and then a very poignant lawyer basically playing into the themes of Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, or Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. So he's like, have you been burnt in a superhero-related accident? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it happens all the time. But we're taking quickly to a backstage discussion with our in-step boys, and come to find out it's possible, possible that something happened here such as the sand actually ate people? It could be that. It could be that uh, the Britney Spears clone is a Yoko Ono type who's trying to break up N-Step and take the Justin Timberlake type for her own nefarious purposes. <laughs> it's too soon to tell with these pop star types, Mike. Yeah, you're right. But we are introduced to, I would say, the second star of this issue, 
the poor lady that is responsible for trying to wrangle all these cats, Hunter Teal, and she introduces us quickly to my favorite, but also my most hated person in this issue, because like you said, this is confounding, because we are introduced to Crisco. It is so on the nose, it's basically inside it. <laughs> Not only is it Crisco, but he is there to perform his number one charting or his big famous chart hit, The Bra Ballad. <laughs> I do have to admit, when I read that, I chuckled out loud. I was like, this is so dumb. I took a bite out of my fucking desk. <laughs> and what I hated is that when uh, he was like, hey, what, you think the bra ballad is tripe? Would I be bling blinging if it was tripe? So, <laughs> like, th- again, then it, it goes from being like, oh, yeah, really funny little uh, indie comic book feel to... Oh, yes, we get it. It was 2002. You don't have to make fun of everything. <laughs> That's coming from <laughs> well, us. <laughs> that's right. But who does a good job of making fun of Crisco, probably better than we did, is Peter Parker. Because as he's watching the MTV stylings of Mr. Crisco and the bra song, Crisco says, I love that bra, that bra, 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 bra. Peter thinks to himself, okay, buddy, we get it. Who are you trying to convince? <laughs> Again, confounding book. It's great comic beats. Uh, and then also just, we can't use, like, what's the fucking, the, the MTV or Sonic TV presenter isn't Carson Daly. His name's like Tyson Haley. They they are so <laughs> just like, we, we, we know who we're making fun of, but for legal reasons can't say their exact names. <laughs> so during Crisco's performance, we see a huge sand hand reach up and grab Crisco while, coincidentally, Peter Parker is watching from a distance. And he decides maybe, just maybe, he ought to quit being a big old wimp and get up and do something about this trouble. Well, see, this is why you're my hero, Mike, because I know you would rather just be having a wanky Monday than doing this. You're not feeling well. You just want your time. But you stepped up and you said no. I will record this podcast today, much like Spider-Man says, no, I will go downtown to spring break and uh, fight the sand, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, which we find out later what the sand is, which, like you said, shouldn't surprise anyone. But honestly, this is a little different uh, approach than we've seen from this person in the past. So Spider-Man does show up, middle of spring break, in full Spider-Man attire, and oddly, No one seems to care. It's not like, hey, it's Spider-Man. It's like, oh, look, a dude in a fucking outfit. Nobody cares. Well, somebody does care, and that is the person whose name I can't remember, but you introduced so eloquently. Hunter Teal. Hunter Teal, the programming director of Spring Break. (laughs) But they've had trouble. I believe uh, Mariah Kelly may have had another breakdown, isn't coming out of her trailer. Typical. And Hunter Teal is like, God damn, Spider-Man, you're a quasi-celebrity. I'm going to put you on the roster. If you think you can interrupt my spring bake to investigate what happened to Crisco, you are going to have to work for me on Sonic TV. You would think this guy would just do it himself. He's like... For some odd reason, he's like, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to fucking be her toady for the next little while. So Spider-Man just goes full blast into spring break mode. 
And then we get one of the most confusing sequences in this entire comic. All of a sudden, the voice changes. The perspective changes. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be uh, the sand having its memories... Uh, it's talk. It's it's having like childhood memories of parents fighting, and then the most jarring smash cut in the history of comic books. It cuts <laughs> to fucking Kid Rock on stage performing Bower to Bar. And yeah, this is all over the place. I had to read, and it's not only this particular page. It's the next several pages, kind of like going back and forth between different things that are going on but yeah the sand thinking and not only is the sand thinking apparently it's mixing memories it's got some weird things going on so it's not only just confusing panel layout and choice it really is a very inconsistent narrator as well yeah i'm glad it wasn't just me that got confused by that because that did really uh kind of make me stumble when reading this like Wait a minute, what the, who, whose fucking parents are arguing now? Why is Kid Rock here? I don't get it. Yeah, we learn a little more about why that whole thing happens eventually. But yes, we are introduced back to Spider-Man now and Hunter Teal. And Spider-Man, first off, has already sneezed in his mask, which sounds utterly disgusting. <laughs> and he's hot, but Hunter Teal is like, hey, maybe you could put on these spider skivvies, which presents me with one of my favorite scenes ever. Spider-Man, not a muscular Spider-Man we're sometimes presented with, skinny old original-ass Peter Parker Spider-Man in somewhat short shorts and his Spider-Man mask. (laughs) On national TV as well. I'm really glad that Spider-Man doesn't have some really identifying tattoo on his chest. And people are like, wait, Peter Parker has that oddly racist tattoo as well. Is Peter Parker (laughs) Spider-Man? So yeah, Spider-Man is now just mingling amongst the stars. For some reason, and this is where, again, it gets kind of wonky again. He's back in full spider uniform, and he ends up getting choked on what appears to be some sort of Jerry Springer show, as well as performing stunts with Billy Alabama on what can only be described as the worst jackass ripoff ever. And as you can imagine, (laughs) let's call him Steve P, because that's the next letter in the alphabet. Uh, is kicking Spider-Man down a hill in a porta potty? <laughs> Disgusting. Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but this book happens in 2002. Really? There's a shocker. Now the funny thing is, Spider-Man more than willing to get in a porta potty and get kicked down a hill, but the where he draws the line, he is absolutely disgusted by the fact of judging a whipped cream bikini contest. Still fucking does it though, doesn't he? He gives him a one. I'm like, (laughs) I've watched enough of MTV, and I've seen the women they parade around in contests like this around spring break. There ain't one one in the bunch. I've got to say, the the Fred Durst next to him, I only just clocked. Uh, the guy basically he seems to be judging the whipped cream bikini contest with a guy in an imp skit uh, t-shirt his name tag you just get the last two letters but it's st and he's got a backwards red baseball cap because it's 2002 he's in the band gimp gasket i guess so there gimp we go gasket. <laughs> <laughs> anyway after this said whipped cream bikini contest we see a person that's been referenced singing and can you tell me this bothered me a little bit because this is when it gets even a little too 
I guess unkind for me. I am no fan of Mariah Carey, but this is a little crude. Ah, no, you may have misread it. This is Mariah Kelly. See, Mariah Uh-oh. Carey isn't on her first post-rehab performance and thinks she's trying to prove that by using prescription drugs and gaining 40 pounds that her voice would not be affected. They said also her outfit or her wardrobe. So yeah, they're saying that she's probably a little too big to be wearing the stuff she's wearing, which, you know what? I've seen Mariah Carey pour herself into a dress. I'm just fine with it. It actually says on the dress, extra tight brand. Like, <laughs> hi, I'm Zach Williams here for extra tight brand dresses. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would pay to see that, Zach. That we're going to put behind the paywall for the Mob Squad at $1.49 a month, finally. I'll put on a tight dress. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't give a fuck either. Jesus wore a fucking robe. I mean, he looked great. And he rose today. Did I, did I tell you that? That's the funny thing. People keep saying I should find Jesus. I'm like, quit losing the motherfucker. So then... <laughs> hey, there we go. You got one in as well. <laughs> at the end, because we're three pages away... Mariah Kelly's voice is driving the sand bananas. He's had enough of it, and he eats the entire fucking beach, leaving pretty much two people, one of them being Spider-Man and the other being the lovely Hunter Teal, to wonder what the fuck just happened. (laughs) The last line in the book, which did again make me chuckle, is Spider-Man covered in sand, looking defeated and ready for battle, saying... Burn Crisco's old sheets. The celebrity beach house just got a new guest. <laughs> it's there are good things about this book. It, yeah, it's conflicting, man. It really is. Like I hate it when I read it on my own, but when we start to discuss it, the the fun of it starts to appear to me. Yeah, there's enough in here to like. There's also enough in here to hate. As far as this being a cliffhanger of sorts. I went ahead and ran ahead to the next issue. Did you happen to partake or did you put a pin in this? No. When I messaged you and said, are we reading both parts? And you said, no, we'll brief- briefly go over part two. I went, good. I don't have to do any more work today. <laughs> Pretty much part two to recap. Yes, it is Sandman. Yes, Spider-Man does go live in some real world clone. Wait, it was Sandman? Yeah. What are the odds of that? Yeah, geez. <laughs> I thought it was the Joker. but yeah again weird sandman because this is not what he normally does but come to find out apparently in issue 22 of the same series sandman ended up going down in a sewer so i guess he just mixed with sewer sludge and i guess it kind of fried him wouldn't you be pissed off if you were there just being spring braked upon (laughs) so you can put aside any concern you had yes sandman does dress up like a rapper by the end of the issue oh no I'm so gutted I didn't read that. Everyone that's inside the Sandman is actually still alive. So yes, Crisco lives to give us another bad song. And finally, Mob Squad, the whole reason and the way that Spider-Man, and actually not really Spider-Man, Hunter Teal solved this, was apparently Sandman was taking on these people. And when you saw about the confusing dialogue from differing people, he started kind of taking on their mind as well. So the way that they solved this, Hunter Teal forced a whole bunch of big egoed people like Kid Rock into the Sandman. He took them in because their ego is so big and they always have to be first billing. It blew Sandman apart and everybody came out of the belly. Again, confounding. Shit and brilliant meeting each other in a confluence of just confusing media entertainment. Yeah, it was a little bit of a lot. But yeah, you know what? There were parts that were great, but that's pretty much the end of it. 
Thank God. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm tired, man. I'm not I'm going to admit it. You're the one who's not feeling well. I'm fucking tired, bro. <laughs> well, this is giving me some energy because I love to talk about me some bad comic books. But not enough to do two episodes. Either way, <laughs> we do have to recap. We have to do a multiverse of radness and a multiverse of sadness for Zach. Zach, Zach. Zach, what is rad about this book? The artwork. I genuinely couldn't get over just how cartoony and like i guess it's obviously because this is like like 2002 this is uh marvel trying to desperately try find its identity post the extreme 90s of battling (laughs) image for how many muscles and pouches you can have but it really like i had to look it up because like it looks like it could be drawn by evan dorkin Uh, I, i genuinely loved the the cartoony indie comic vibe of the artwork I 100% agree. I think this fits, much like I would say with Milligan and Allred, mm. Allred's art is unique. It's not great for some stories, but for the right story, it's perfect. And even though this story had problems, it had a mood about it. And this artwork fits the mood of this type of story well. I wouldn't want to see <laughs> this type of artwork if like the Green Goblin's throwing Gwen Stacy to her death and snaps her neck. That wouldn't work here, but for this kind of story, this kind of artwork fits perfectly. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, to be fair, I'd love to see like House of M redrawn like this. The moment when she's like, no more mutants. (laughs) It would just add a levity to that moment that was so desperately needed. (laughs) Fair enough. But this was rad. The art was rad, but not everything was perfect. Sadness, Zach. What brings a tear to your Welsh eye? Oh God, many, many things, but mainly... The closing of the coal mines. No, uh, it would be <laughs> just how fucking 2002 this book is. It couldn't have, like, I, I'd love to have seen the first draft hit the editor's desk, him reading it and being like, need I remind you what year it is? Do another draft and add more 2002. <laughs> it really is. Every, every. Every minute fucking detail is just there to remind you that it's the early 2000s. I think that is what my problem is, too, but a little bit different. Um, I think that some of this could have been more in passing instead of overdone. I think that if it was a panel here, a panel there, we could have gotten through a lot quicker, maybe add a little more guts. But they over drill certain things it's yes we get it it's 2002 and that's why certain things like the fred durst holding up the sign you see that in passing and it makes you smile but then when you're talking to tiffany and justin and it's it's a lot more dialogue and it doesn't really it's not necessary there's too many words for what's going on and too much over description it doesn't take the reader as intelligent it's almost like we have to explain almost too many details to you and it's not that complicated a story <laughs> there are too many words in this book mike the multiverse of madness it's true <laughs> it is true i hate books with too much dialogue that you can actually tell the story what's going on without fucking words oh fucking never ever ever read kevin smith's run on daredevil in that case <laughs> jesus christ i'm surprised they had room for drawings <laughs> and you know what john byrne likes to bloviate but i haven't seen him do it to this level this is a lot it was dense it was a real real chewy book yeah for what it was as well so it didn't need to be <laughs> chewy it was very much like 
breaking into a birthday cake and having to chew it 27 times. Something you don't have every day. As far as do we like it or dislike it, Zach, what did you bring to the table today? Once again, I prepared a segment name, and we are going to be playing Are You Going to Bling Bling It or Bin Sling It? This one's hard for me because (laughs) there is enough here to give it a bling bling, and there is enough here to give it, uh, you know, the Bin Sling but I can't give it the entire bling bling. So yeah, I'm going to go bin sling it. I think there is a better version of this story lurking around somewhere that probably would have tickled my fancy a little more, but yeah, just a little too much. Like you said, on the nose. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's just there. It's like, just pull back a little bit on the, just ram it down your throat snarky isn't modern culture so vapid kind of sensibility that it's really trying to fucking force on you as a reader and add in more of the jokes that work because when there are jokes they bang and they land and they're funny but it's it's just it's 60 40 in terms of um ham-fisted pop culture references to good jokes in in favor of unfortunately the ham-fisted references Yeah, I'd be curious to see how long Zeb Wells had been writing when he wrote this, because I tend to find him very good. I think this may have been some of his early work. I don't know when he started, but it seems like uh, things I've read since are a little better than this, I would say. A little more focused, I suppose. Yeah, I have no idea, to be honest. So, all right. I guess we could have looked that up. But we, as the Mob Squad (laughs) knows, don't give a fuck about research. So, Mob Squad, we are done. But before we go, of course, we have to tell you a few things. I have to tell you how to reach us on the social media. You can reach us on Mastodon at Multiverse of Badness at Toot.Wales. You can reach Zach on Twitter again at Multiverse of Bad. I don't fuck around with the Twitters, but Zach's been fucking around drawing cute little pretty pictures, I might add, doing a great job over there. My pictures are so good that when people look at them, they stick their phone on the fridge with a magnet. (laughs) (laughs) He's engaging. So, yeah, he's out there for now. Patreon, you want to support us, $1.49 a month, that is awesome. We give away a lot of free stuff, sometimes even free episodes, but we have pre-games that are not free. Go check us out, uh, along with some of our favorite patron people. All of them are our favorites. Uh, we got Stu and John and Kenan and Guido. Thank you. You want your name listed? Fucking give us some money. We won't mention you until we get 20 people, and then we're not going to mention everybody. We'll just uh, cherry pick. But what we'll do is just we will do a nod at the end, although it's an audio, audio medium, so you may not know. But it's there. <laughs> okay. Even though other people don't know it's there, you'll know it's You'll there. know it's there. And also, just before we do get into the emails, I'm back on Twitch, baby. I figured out oh, the, uh, the technical issues. I had my first stream back under the Multiverse of Bad Umbrella today, and it was good fun. Uh, I am going to talk about drawing look to get a graphics tablet and do some drawing streams so uh jump on the stream have a chat with me give me suggestions of what we can draw as like bad superheroes things like that it'd be fun it'd be a good laugh come on over i miss you is that twitch.tv slash multiverse of bad it may as well be because i ain't gonna tell you <laughs> you're just gonna have to fucking guess finally my <laughs> squad google it man the good news is you don't have to guess our email address as long as you know it's at multiverseofbadness.com. You can literally send it to anything. Zach, can you give the Mob Squad at least one, if not two, plus examples? We 
can give you examples for days. Just looking at signs in the crowd, we have We Love Johnny at multiverseofbadness.com. We have Tiffany is hot at multiverseofbadness.com. And we have I Went to College at multiverseofbadness.com. I can say this. I know this is actually based on Britney Spears, but both Tiffany and Debbie Gibson did Playboy shoots, and I agree, Tiffany was hot. So, with that said, finally, Mob Squad, we are done with this episode. So, if you are battling a nasty cold, but decide to muscle through, you're either Spider-Man on spring break, Mike working his way gingerly through this episode, or you're reading another crazy comic book in... The multiverse of Badness. And there we go. That's an ending that we can all enjoy. <laughs> I know you can put that on. That's an ending right there you can enjoy, yes. <coughs> <coughs> ah. <laughs>